Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. We got Kyle Weatherman on the show with us today. You probably have seen him been wheeling that 34 Jesse Awuji Motorsports car in the Xfinity Series inside the top 20, the top 15, even sometimes the top 10. The mantra that I kind of associate with him, and we talked about it extensively, is doing more with less. And I really think Kyle is a prime example of that. And we got into his story, his history in racing, his connection to a name that recently was in Cup Series Victory Lane, and also a NASCAR Hall of Famer who is heaping a lot of praise upon his name and how that fuels him, how that gives him more energy and drive to try to make it in the top echelons of motorsports. It was a great chat with Kyle. And we're going to chat a little bit about the debacle, the disaster that was Texas Motor Speedway. It'll be short and sweet. Don't worry. Unlike that 500-mile marathon. But before we do any of that, we got to stop for a minute and pay homage to the number 63. I have a feeling that my dad's going to be digging deep in his suitcase of courage this week since it might be a little bit of a slim pickings week. What have you got cooked up for us this week, Papa Siegel? Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 163. Slim pickings for number 63. Only 146 cup starts for the number, which ranks in the bottom 10 of starts for all numbers. No wins for 63. Only two top fives, 15 top tens, and no polls for the number. The driver with the most starts in the number was Jocko Majacomo. You may remember him not just because of his interesting name, but also because, as we previously discussed, he was the driver who accidentally T-boned Bobby Allison at Pocono in 1988, ending his story career. Majacomo was injured in the crash as well and quit racing as a result, but not because of his injuries. Rather, the guilt from hitting Allison and the post-traumatic stress from it caused him to hang his helmet up. We can do better than that for 63, can't we? You know where we go when the well runs dry. Lee Revkins drove the purple and yellow Transberry Juice car in the Cars movie. Revkins learned to drive on his family farm. He credited his nerves of steel to those daredevil days when he often would thread the needle at full speed across a narrow bridge on the property. Revkins was leading the Dynaco 400 at the Motor Speedway of the South before Chick Hicks Kuchiga! bumped him off the track. Later, he was involved in the big crash caused by Hicks Kuchiga! Kuchiga! that took out almost all of the field. Revkins didn't finish the race. That's all for this week. Happy New Year to all of you out there celebrating this week. You know who you are. 
Omega. Back to you, Duve. Thank you, Dad and Mom. I think that set the new Wayback Segment record for Kachigas. I may or may not have cringed a handful of times, but hey, if the people love it and they haven't told me otherwise, I guess we'll keep on doing it. So thank you for the Wayback Segment on another character from the Cars franchise. I'm sure Robin loves that too. And thank you, Mom, for the Kachigas. We appreciate both of you. Thank you very much. Let's start off this episode as we always do. Were they good? Old fashioned. Reggaeton! And throw it straight over to our interview with Kyle Weatherman. Again, drives the number 34 car in the Xfinity series for Jesse Abuji Motorsports. That just scratches the surface with this guy, though. He's been in the Xfinity series for a while, he's run for a lot of premier organizations in the mid to back half of the field. And some people may be saying, well, that's an oxymoron. You can't be a premier organization if you're running for 20th and 25th every week. Au contraire. A, I think you're wrong. And B, Kyle's going to explain to us how running for all these different teams with all these different owners over the years has made him better and made him stronger. So interested to see what he has to say there. He's got a lot of ties to a lot of drivers that have come into the Cup Series in the last few years. David Reagan, a NASCAR Hall of Famer that shall remain unnamed, but I'm sure you know by now, and a recent Cup Series winner who he actually lived with when he moved down to North Carolina when he was just a wee 17-year-old. Lots to cover with Kyle, little time to do it. I'll get out the way and let you hear my chat with Kyle Weatherman. Pleasure to welcome on to the show today the man who was looking fresh to death it's Jesse Awuji Motorsports hat, shirt. I'm sure you got on something underneath the camera we can't even see either. It's Kyle Weatherman, man. Your hat is fresh from the box. So you're only bringing your Sunday best to this Tuesday afternoon here on Victory Lane. I appreciate you. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on. Yes, this this hat was literally pulled out of the box right here, right underneath me. So it's uh, it's very new. But no, just, just very, very cool opportunity here at Jesse Awuji Motorsports. And we're making the best of it. Five seconds ago, that hat was never worn, and now look at you go. Perfect. It's, it was made for me. <laughs> That's right. Well, let's chat about Texas for a little bit. I know that that track is very easy to pass on, multiple grooves, easy to you know move and shake as you please. I'm sure that had to be a good weekend for you at Texas, right? Oh, man. Man, you know, Texas is, is a cool racetrack. I know that there was a lot of sarcasm there. Uh, I love the track, uh, the speed that it creates, but... Uh, if there was something that they can do to to help the passing, right? Anything. I mean, you know that that that's the hard part, right? I mean, they put the BHT stuff down uh, or the resin to help, and obviously that created a, a one groove racetrack as well. You take away that, I think it would be don- uh, you know bottom dominant, hard to pass there again as well. You know, so it's 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 a hard balance, and I know NASCAR and Texas and, and a lot of these tracks are trying to create more racing, and and it's um, you know hard at some of these places, you know, but um, I don't know what to do. I don't know what they would do. Maybe just try to maybe re-grind the racetrack and take yeah. away some of the grip. Or man, I don't know. There's a lot of options. Um, I wouldn't say just bulldoze the whole, th- whole thing down, which I've heard <laughs> a couple of times. And uh, I-, I would like to think there's more uh, options than just you know doing that. But who knows? That's for them to figure out. I love going to Texas. Uh, the racetrack itself is really fun. I mean, I really enjoy going around there. Uh, just just when you get uh you know there was multiple times where heck we drove up uh to seventh you know tenth around that area 
Uh, we had great speed in Texas. Um, played a little strategy to get some stage points. We actually got two stage points. The first stage had to pit after everybody else pitted, right? Uh, went from 22nd back to 15th and then kind of stalled out there uh, behind a couple of cars that were similar speed. I was faster then, uh, but just couldn't, uh, couldn't do anything with, with them up in the resin and, and you couldn't just, you couldn't pass on the bottom. Yeah, I hear you. Well, you had a good run going until that part's failure kind of did you in. And I know that Texas obviously is not the easiest place, but uh, you definitely showed that you were there and you have all season. We're going to get to that and the fact that you've been outperforming your equipment since the day you stepped into that 34 car and the other cars that you've been in to this point. But as I like to do with a lot of my guests, Kyle, I want to go all the way back and I'm talking all the way to when it all first started for you. I read that it was essentially a trip to a go-kart shop where you and your dad and your family, you had no aspirations, no plans whatsoever of buying a go-kart or racing yourself. But as as one does, you walk into the go-kart shop, you see something, you like it, you buy it, you take it home, you race it, and voila, here you are all these years later. Is that kind of how it got started for you? you? You did your research. You did very well. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> how it initially started. Uh, and, and there's a lot of stuff that, that led up past that, but, uh, yes, that was, that was the first initial start. Uh, we went there with, with my dad and my dad's best friend, Brian Maine, which is related to David Reagan. And that's mm -hmm. really how full circle it, it started meshing from there. But, uh, yes, that is, that is the first day of, uh, of racing in my, in my mind. Yes. So I had that David Reagan tidbit in my notes as well. And I think that the Stray family also were pretty instrumental in kind of helping you and your family yep. get started in yep. everything. Uh, what specifically, if anything, did David and then the Stray family as well, what did they help you and your family with to get up to speed with everything that comes with racing essentially at that age too? Yeah, uh, everything, right? I mean, they were just involved from, uh, you know, <laughs> just the travel side of stuff, the uh, you know, just, just everything. Right. I mean, they were uh, David and, and Brian Maine, uh, my dad, uh, e even at that young age at eight years old, uh, I was very involved. Right. I, I remember, uh, I did have my Nintendo DS and I was playing, uh, Pokemon or whatever. And I wanted to go get <laughs> on that and do that. But, uh, you know, my dad set a very, very awesome structure early, uh, with, with a balance with that. Right. Uh, whether, whether it was getting hands-on with, with cleaning the go-kart, changing the gear, the sprocket, right, whatever, uh, you know, helping change the tires, helping, you know, clean, whatever, right, clean the trailer, um, and then we could go play our games, right? So when I was young, right, I mean, I, I definitely had, I wanted to get all that stuff done and go play my Nintendo with all those with all of them, but um, very, very thankful for what my dad installed in me early, Brian, David, uh, at, at eight years old. Uh, to, to be working on this equipment, working on my race car. Um, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's helped from, from day one. So one thing leads to another, you get that go-kart at the shop, you start racing, you're liking it, you're moving up in the world, wound up racing bandoleros and you won a national championship casual, of course, the Kyle Weatherman way. At that point, I imagine you had to be feeling pretty good about yourself, albeit young, right? But here you are, you started racing not too long ago, now you're moving up divisions into the Bandoleros and you're winning at a really good clip and you're getting national titles. I mean, at that point, you had to be feeling pretty good about yourself, I would assume. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, from, from Bandoleros to Legend Cars, 
uh, unfortunately, the winning has slowed down, and that that's a a, <laughs> a very very hard hard thing to to you know grasp, right? But uh, understanding you know the position that we're in and stuff like that, we are are really we are winning, right? And in a sense of when you look at it, right? So uh, just um, you know striving every day to get back to victory lane in, in that sense, right? But uh, at, at these levels, it's it's very difficult. But no, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I do miss it. Uh, my dad told me every single time, enjoy the moment. You know, the, the, these moments will go quick. Uh, and he's right, right? I mean, every time from from that or, or even, you know, him telling me to enjoy middle school, high school, stuff that you never listen to your parents about. Uh, but but that's that time to go very quick. And, and it uh, would love to would love to go back and relive it. But it's, uh, you know, living the moment now. I'm sure. Well, I'm not done reliving it yet because I know that the next step was Legends Cars, and you got it done with the title there as well, I believe, at Las Vegas. Did you become the youngest Legends Car champion at that point, I think it was? Yes, yes, and we beat uh, we beat uh, Austin Hill, which is uh, wow. an expensive series now, too. So uh, kind of grew up and, and kind of raced with, with the Hills as well a lot, the Masseys. Uh, there, there's a handful of, of people from Atlanta that we raced a lot against. So, uh, yeah, Austin finished second that race, and I was – and you probably know better than I do. You, you did your research good, but I think I think I was 13, 12, 13. So, yeah. I, I think was, it was, was around that age, yeah. Yeah, I, I was the youngest at that time. It possibly had been beaten by now, but uh, yes, that was very cool. So, back then, right, again, you're winning at an insane clip. You're still 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. You're winning national championships against guys that you had no idea of knowing back then, but now are you know racing against you every day in the Xfinity series every single weekend. When did it go from something for you and for your family that, you know, all right, this is fun. We're doing this as a hobby, not too much financial implications in it. When did it go from something that was fun on the side to something serious and saying, all right, I think I want to pursue this as a career, as a profession. When did that change for you? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously eight was too young to kind of really install that. You know, my dad was working on it. Um, I'd say, you know, it definitely happened before the national championship. Um, I'd say, you know, probably, you know, 10, 11 years old, kind of when I got away from uh, the the video games were more important or hanging out with the friends were more important and, right. and really, um, you know, putting, putting best effort into, you know, my career um, and, and racing, right? So uh, I'd say around that, that age. And, and at that time, that's when I moved from Bandoleros to legend cars and, and the crew chief that, that I worked with there, Michael Harper, uh, is actually the same person that basically, uh, from, from 11 to, to 15 raised Chris Busher as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, so there's a lot of things that, that, uh, Michael installed in me. Uh, and, and I'd say my mindset really, really sort of changing from, from when I first started getting in legend cars to, to when I ended in, uh, legend cars and, and Arca cars and stuff like that. Speaking of Chris Busher, I also did my research, and I know that when you moved down to North Carolina for the first time, you lived with the Bristol Night Race winner himself, Chris Busher. Uh, we're going to get into the DJD Dale Jr. download because there's some synergy there that I want to go over. But when did you make the move down south to North Carolina, and why'd you go live with Chris? Was it that connection that you had already? Yeah, it was the connection already. Uh, I moved down here by myself as well, so uh, it just worked out to where Chris and and Emma were. We're in the middle of, of moving locations. They were finding a house. Uh, we were renting for a little bit. Then I actually moved with them up into Mooresville for a little bit. Uh, and then my mom finally moved down here. 
uh, about a year and a half later. So I lived with them for, for about a year and a half. So uh, just um, a slight period of time, just kind of location wise, they were in the middle of moving. I was in the middle of moving and it just worked out. And, um, you know, uh, very, very thankful for that opportunity. He, he has installed and, uh, and helped in my career a lot as well. And uh, wouldn't, wouldn't trade that for anything. How is Chris as a roommate and how is Emma as a roommate? They're awesome. They're awesome. They, uh, yeah, they're, they're incredible. They're fun people to be around, uh, high energy level. Uh, it just, just fun, you know, right. Just, just pretty, uh, pretty stressless, uh, just, just fun. And, uh, it's actually really cool right after his Bristol win before even his Bristol win, uh, we had a, a lunch set up with, uh, with a couple of kind of people that we used to go to lunch with all the time. So, uh, even before the win, and then he got famous overnight. Uh, and, and then, and then we, uh, then we went to dinner or lunch. So that was, that was still cool, but no, Chris, Chris is awesome doing a great job and, uh, strive to kind of follow the paths that he has taken. Right. Uh, as he has done it on, uh, you know, little to no funding as well. Right. And mm-hmm. really just right place, right time, people noticing, uh, people taking a backing. Um, and then just when he gets that opportunity, he has, he has a rose to the occasion, uh, and, and just, just proving himself, you know, and that's, uh, that's all you can do. Right. And I'm just waiting for those opportunities to come here. And, and I think we've had one here, uh, with Jesse Awuji, right. And, and just, um, absolutely made the best of it. Uh, there, there's a handful of races that, that I'd like to go back and, and replay, but that's life. Uh, and we still have a few more coming up here. So, um, we'll, we'll see what, uh, what the year holds out and, and what the future holds as well. You said Chris Busher as a roommate is high energy. I don't know. I have trouble believing that. I feel like he's so even keel, so chill and mellow all the time. You see him get strung up? I don't. See, well, that's the thing is, that's the thing. I think he hides it. Well, he's not hiding, man. He's just, I'm the same way too. Like I've got high energy, um, you know, away from the racetrack. But when I, and my, my girlfriend, or my fiance, sorry. When I get to the racetrack, I'm so, I'm a different person in a way, right? I'm just so mentally, physically prepared, right? Like she asked me a couple times. I think she slowed down on it. Uh, are you okay? Right. I, I just, I, I'm a little different, right? I'm just so uh, I, I kind of, in a way look mad. Right. I, and I don't mean to, right. But just, just so, uh, so much mental goes into, to being focused for these races. Right. Um, and I think Chris and I are a lot of the same. I mean, he, uh, you know, away from the racetrack has a lot of fun and, and they always do. Um, but I think just when he's there, man, he's just, he's just so focused on his job that he has, uh, and he just wants to, su- to succeed at whatever he's doing. And, and I think, uh, in that in that sense, I think we're, we're a lot in the same way. You may be one of the only people that also know this, and I'm curious if you do, because at at that point, I don't know if they were married or not. But do you know how Chris and Emma met? I do. I don't know if I'm supposed to spill it or not. Uh, he spilled it on this show like two, three years ago, so it's okay. We can say okay. that they met on Craigslist. Yeah, yeah. Basically, basically, did <laughs> they, they? He was buying. I think David was buying a tractor. Yep. That's exactly uh, it. From, from Emma's father. And, and, uh-huh. uh, yeah, she, she came with him or something and, and Chris paid no attention to her. The rest <laughs> is was, history. It was, it was, oh yeah. It was, it's a funny story, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good story, but, uh, no, they're, they're perfect for each other. Uh, and, and they're, uh, they're all, they're having, a, they're having a baby. I now. know. A baby now. Uh, it's baby Busher. I, yeah, baby, but I, 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 I am basically their son. They call me. I call them mom and dad. Uh, they're <laughs> I'm their son. They're they're basically my my parents away from my parents. It, it, you know, it's it's fun. They're cool and um, great people to be around. 
That's sweet. That's awesome. Good, good relationship to have. And I'm glad that he's not too big time now, now that he won the Bristol night race, that he still remembers his roots and his OG son. I'm, I'm glad that he remembers that. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. I thought he was going to cancel on it. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I know. You, you, you assume that now that people get these big wins, it goes right to their head. But good to know that Busher is a, he's a good one. He sticks true to his roots. Okay. Um, after you won the, the Bandolero title and the Legends title, you start moving your way up into the full-fledged, full-bodied stock car ranks. ARCA came calling. Cunningham Motorsports, that's an iconic team. Again, keep moving up with the ranks here. You had a Roush Fenway Racing at that time developmental deal. Six degrees of Chris Buescher and David Reagan, I know. Uh, ran for Rulo Brothers Racing before you obviously get to the Xfinity and the Cup stuff that you've been doing the past handful of years. What was that time period like for you? Because on the surface, those are a handful of really, really big behemoth, well-known teams and organizations, and you're still, again, moving upward trajectory-wise in your racing career. What do you remember about those times? Yeah, that, that's where work ethic really, really started uh, ramping up, right? Um, you know, took, um, you know, at that time I was, I was in high school still, um, actually did my freshman and sophomore year online. Right. So at that point, this, the, the traveling, uh, work started ramping up, um, and, and just really, really focusing on my career. Right. Uh, you know, really honing in on, on studying, uh, from each racetrack, uh, balancing the school life, balancing the work life, uh, you know, social media wasn't as big then, right. So trying to kind of balance a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, just, just a lot of balance, right. And, and trying to, to really, you know, make all that work. Uh, you know, I did at that time go and move to Chicago for a little bit and, and work on the ruler brother racing cars, um, and, and stuff like that. Right. So there was just a lot of, of balance that had to happen. Um, and at that time too, right. I mean, um, going to a lot of these different places, uh, honing my craft and, and skill, um, on these mile and a half with, with the arrow stuff you know, there was just those, those three or four years were really, really big, um, on the, the learning aspect of, of, of these big stock cars. Right. You know, so bandoleros, legend cars, I did a little bit of late model stuff, but basically went from, uh, you know, a car that weighed what 500 pounds to, to 2,400 pounds. Right. You know, so yeah. it's a, a big jump, right. Uh, and a big learning curve from short track racing, which, which is what we basically did. Uh, to a sense of, you know, mile and a half, which, you know, were, were a lot of, of the ARCA schedule at that time, you know, so um, a big jump, a big learning curve. And um, yeah, it, it was, it was a lot of work. Is there any way to describe or encapsulate that learning curve from going from small cars on small tracks to huge cars on giant tracks, basically overnight? I mean, is there any way to describe how big that change really is? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the best way to describe it, and I, I feel like I'm a quick learner, um, but basically all the experience that you had before, in a sense, really doesn't translate over to these mile and a half stuff, right? I mean, you just drive them so differently, aero dependent, you know, you know, you know, being a away from other cars and stuff like that. There's just so many aspects that, you know, yes, I did my research on and, and had great people to lean on. Uh, it's not like I was just going blinded in, in, in these races, but um, really just, just dipping your feet in the water and, and trying to swim. Right. I mean, it's, it's basically what you had to do. Um, you know, you can watch videos and, and listen to other people, but 
uh, when it comes to, to how to drive these stock cars on mile and a half and stuff like that, you just got to go for it. And, and um, I did learn the hard way multiple times. Right. And, and unfortunately wrecked a couple of race cars, but um, you know, just, um, just really just, just dipping your feet in and going for it is, is kind of the, the approach and the sense I took. Um, and then when those mistakes happen, you know, just learning as quick as you can. So they didn't happen again. Well, you jumped in, you started swimming, you didn't drown, you're doing well. You keep on moving up to the Xfinity Series, even had some Cup Series starts, some more owners and more teams. I'll list them off. Rick Ware, Jimmy Means, Mike Harmon, Mario Goslin. Um, a lot of people probably know you now for the work that you're doing with the 34 with Jesse Uji Motorsports, but you know the OGs know you from all those different race cars and race teams and organizations. And you, know, you were first put on a lot of people's radar when you were overperforming in Mike Harmon racing cars. Um, I'm curious what Mike Harmon, the man that we see on television or from afar, is like compared to the Mike Harmon you know inside the race car and inside the race team. Something tells me that they're not the exact same person, or maybe they are. You can tell me. Yeah, I mean, he's um, he's he's uh, he's pretty simple, right? I mean, he's uh, he's pretty down to earth. Um, you know what he's well, you know what he's thinking because he's saying it. Um, <laughs> and and, that, and that I wouldn't I wouldn't want to work or be with anybody other than that, right? I mean, I, I love people that are honest, uh, sometimes brutally honest, right? Sometimes you know they'll say what you don't want to hear, but. Uh, you know, what he did for my career and, and learning aspect of, of how to drive these race cars, how to keep cool, keep my head, keep, you know, head on straight and stuff like that uh, is very important, you know. And um, I think uh, in my early career, you know, I, I had a, a slight temper um, and, and would let it translate over into the racing side of stuff and, and win mistakes, whether it was from myself, the pit crew, um, you know, just other drivers on the track. Um, you know, I feel like I, I, at that time, that early time, I, I would let it kind of affect me mentally. Right. And, and Mike is a very, very uh, strict person on um, the mental aspect of racing. And I learned a lot of, of that from him, uh, just not mentally beating yourself or, or letting other drivers mentally beat yourself. Um, you know, so I, I feel like that was probably the biggest takeaway I took from from Mike as a driver um, is just being mentally prepared and, and staying mentally sane and focused, uh, at task at hand. And, and when, um, you know, problems or, or occasions arose, minimize, minimize the, uh, the hurt and, and just, uh, keep on looking forward and, and, and realize how long these races are, uh, in a sense. Um, and, uh, you know, most of the time you have, you have time to, to react and, and make the best of, of what you still have going. Uh, when you were there, was the official restaurant of Mike Harmon Racing Applebee's? That was that was in my that was in the time that was in the time there. So that happened. I, know. When I was just getting started. Um, he was still driving, obviously, and and that uh, man, we we ate at Applebee's a lot. That was we should. I'm sure we, you did. Yeah, that was, which <laughs> Applebee's is good. Applebee's is good. It's but, his favorite. Uh, yes, it is. It's is exactly his favorite, especially as now. But uh, that was uh, that, that was good. That was fun. Yeah. All right. Let's fast forward to the here and the now then. We see it on your hat. We see it on your shirt. We see you overperforming, a lot of people would say, in that Jesse Wuji Motorsports number 34 car. How did the deal first come together with you, Jesse, Emmett, whoever kind of brokered it or got you guys in contact in the first place for you to step into that 34 car and drive it for, I would say, probably the majority of the season to this point? How did the deal first come together? Yeah, uh, so I had I had five races locked in with Mario. 
um, and didn't have anything after that. And that was pretty, uh, pretty known. Um, you know, unfortunately didn't get, uh, any funding put together to, to continue there, uh, and, and no hard feelings. Right. I mean, I, I get it, you know, um, but it was five and only five, uh, with Mario. And, and at that time I was, I was still traveling with Mario helping out. Um, uh, and I think I only went a week with, with, or two weeks with Mario. Um, and then Matt Casto from Jesse Luigi Motorsports here, uh, and, and I started talking and, and got in contact and, um, you know, they were in need for, um, I don't want to call myself a, a veteran by any means, but, um, I had a lot of experience, you know, with, with, you know, driving at Mike's and Jimmy means and, and Rick Ware and all that stuff. Right. So there, I've been to a lot of these places, you know, so, um, they, they had to get, you know, points built up and, and get these things qualified in and, um, you know, kind of, um, in a sense, help Jesse kind of get, uh, to where his feet were back under him and, and get going in the right direction, you know? So, sure. um, this, this, and, and that, that's another thing that kind of blows my mind is this is still, this is a first, first year team, you know, I mean, there, there has been a lot of stuff that they've had to deal with and go through, um, just in their first year, you know, so to be where we're at now from, from where they started to, to how most teams look in their first year, um, has been a big jump and, uh, there's a lot of stuff that led up to that, but, uh, backing up a little bit. Yeah. So just, um, you know, you know, started off with, with just kind of, you know, helping at Richmond, uh, and Bristol, which were my two first races with these guys. And, um, you know, just, uh, had, had some good success at, um, Martinsville and then kind of just went from there, you know? So, um, once again, just, just taking that one opportunity and, and making the best of it and, uh, you know, the rest is kind of history and, and kind of just worked itself out from there. When you say helping out, can you explain that a little bit more? Because I know when you raced for Starcom and Cup, you actually were helping in the race shop with the team day to day and weekend to weekend, in addition to eventually driving the car, which is obviously what you want to do. So when you said that you were helping with the 34 group and even doing the same with DGM before, were you, you know, tinkering on the cars week to week in the shop or what were you doing to help the organization specifically? Oh yeah. So here's, uh, here's my office. I've got the SIM, uh-huh. got the dog, got the dog there, but no, yeah, <laughs> I'm full, full on hands on with these guys. The cars are all in the shop and, yeah. uh, no, I have anywhere I've been, whether it's, whether it's a one race, uh, situation or, you know, multiple race situation. I, I love to be hands-on in a sense with, with what I'm driving. Uh, I'm in the interior guy here. I'm a small guy. So I, I do the interior and, um, you know, really I, I can, I'm not talking highly, but I've done it for a long time and I really can help do about anything. Right. So just, um, knowing what's going on with the race cars and being involved, uh, has helped in a sense of, uh, building a relationship with the guys at the shop, uh, understanding more of what's going on at the track, whether there's a problem, a smell, whatever, uh, or just, just knowing in a sense, you know, more about these race cars. So, um, I, I've been doing that since, you know, eight years old, it has just ramped up from, you know, dad forcing me to clean the go-kart to, uh, me going and cleaning these race cars w- without uh, having someone to ask. Right. So, um, I, I don't care if they need someone to, sweep the floors or help take out an, out, out an engine or, or change a seat or whatever I'm involved in, uh, wouldn't change it for anything. So like you mentioned, I mean, I, I believe that you probably think that helps you as a driver. It helps the team overall. You guys have better synergy because of it, better results on track because of it. It's kind of a no brainer. And 
the cherry on top is that you seem to thoroughly and genuinely enjoy doing that. Like I, I know that some people, they don't want anything to do with how the car gets, you know, put together during the week at the shop. They just want to show up and race. And some people are the complete opposite. You seem to be on the, the latter spectrum and you like doing that. You've done it your whole career and it seems to be paying dividends for you. So why stop now? Yeah, exactly. You know, and, um, it has, it has helped a lot in, in an aspect of, of owners realizing and, and seeing that as well. I think that's a lot of respect, uh, and, and just respecting the equipment more too. Right. I mean, Definitely. Uh, most of these drivers, uh, not talking crap, but they don't know how much effort goes into building these race cars. I mean, uh, you know, so, um, you know, going out there and, and respecting the equipment is very, very important in the owner's eyes and, and my eyes when I'm in it, because I've got to go back and rebuild it if, if something happens, you know, so, um, there, there's a lot of aspects in that way that I think that have helped, uh, give opportunity as well, you know? So, um, you know, it, it's a hard balance because it is a full-time job. Uh, and I do my best to kind of balance that with, uh, the marketing side and the social media side. Um, but, but still learning on that. And, and Jesse has been, you know, Jesse and I work very well together. Right. And, and Jesse has absolutely nailed the marketing side. Um, and, and, and is really, really good at that really good at speaking, really good at, at just, um, you know, selling himself. Right. You know, so I, I think him and I together, uh, can be very, very powerful if we can learn from each other. And I think we've done very good at that so far with, with just, uh, what the 14 races that I've done with these guys. And, and I think that, you know, moving forward, uh, there can be very big things. So Jesse obviously is a, a Navy guy. He's very militaristic to the point. He's very tightened up. Have you found it easy to work with him or a bit difficult given his leadership style? You are the one that is with him in the trenches day in, day out. So I think nobody probably knows better than you how he works on a day-to-day basis. We see him on the track. We see him as a driver. We don't see and we're not privy to how he is as the team owner. So how is he? Yeah, very, very straight, strict, very straightforward. You're right. And and he's, uh, once again, with what he says is or, or what he thinks is what he says. And, and I wouldn't, you've got to be that way in the position that he's in, you know, so, uh, but he's got, he's got an awesome personality too. Right. So it's just easy to get along with uh, very personable. Uh, but, but when it comes down to the truth or the facts or, or what has to happen or what needs to happen, um, it, it's all on the table. Right. And, and that makes it very easy to, to build, to grow, uh, and to get better. And, and you've seen that from, you know, the first race I did with these guys to, to the 14th, 15th race I've done with these guys, right. Mm-hmm. We've just gotten better each and every week. And once again, to remind everybody, this is this is their first year here, right? So uh, we've had a lot of, of stuff that we've had to do, whether it's moving into the new shop, getting parts and pieces uh, for the race cars, the parts and pieces for the shop to, to put this thing together. Uh, you know, there's a lot of time that we've spent outside doing other things than, than making these things go fast. So uh, I'm just excited to be in-house here now uh, in Mooresville. Uh, and um, once again, I'll say it again, there's big things to come and, and excited to be a part of it and hopefully... Uh, hopefully have great success uh, in the future. So Jesse's one of your bosses over there at JIM. How's NFL Hall of Fame running back Emmett Smith as a boss? Incredible. I- I've met him. I've met him twice, once in Texas, uh, actually both in Texas. And uh, I-, I believe if this hurricane holds up that he's going to be in Talladega. Uh, so we'll-, we'll see there. But no, he, man, he- he's awesome. He really, really is. I mean, he's just a great person, uh, super, super motivating, um, down to earth, straightforward. Um, 
you know, and, and I think that's what's made it so successful with these guys is um, they're, they're just straightforward, right? They, you know, and, and when there's a problem, they handle it. Uh, we don't let it happen again, and, and we just keep on moving forward. Um, I, I knock on wood, I, I don't feel, I mean, there's been multiple things, multiple aspects that could, should have set us back, um, you know, and, and some results, right? I mean, that that's stamped. Uh, but, but there's been multiple things that have uh, pushed these guys back. Um, and they just, we, we've taken the punches and moved forward. Right. Um, and, and just fixed it, you know? So, uh, and I think that's just the leadership role that, that Jesse and, and Emmett and, and everybody involved has just acquired. Um, and we've just, we've just done it, you know? And, uh, I, I think that's, that's a lot to do with, with those guys being involved and, and, uh, just, just bringing that energy and, and that, that wisdom. Uh, and Emmett definitely has that, obviously, for, from the success that he's had and, and, and what he's had to do to do that, right? It just um, to have someone at a leadership role like that, it's, it's really, really impactful. So I mentioned a couple times outperforming your equipment. That's something that I think you do on a regular basis. A lot of people that hold a lot more cachet than me, they say it as well. You've gotten top 10 finishes in the Xfinity Series for Mike, Mario, and now you've gotten one for Jesse and Emmett as well but you're running way better than just one top 10 for this year, at least in my opinion. I'm curious for you, somebody who has run an underfunded equipment essentially their whole career and is making a living from doing more with less. How much satisfaction do you personally get as a race car driver from outperforming your equipment and doing more with less? Uh, yeah, I mean, I love it, right? I mean, I, I strive uh, and work very hard at, at honing my craft and, and the skill at the shop and at the racetrack. Right. And, um, to have success and results like that with, with what we're working with is very, very, uh, satisfying. It, it is, it's amazing. Right. And, uh, you know, with what we have and what we do is incredible. Right. And, and that's to everybody in the shop here. Um, and, and just, just being very dedicated and motivated to what I want and, and how we get it done. Right. So, um, I'm, I'm a very, very motivated, straightforward, uh, and strict person to work with and, and to, to, uh, you know, work with as a driver. Um, I, I feel now I, I know what I want at, at most of these places that we go to and we fine tune and, and we make it, you know, we make it right. And, um, you know, you're, you're right. We've been at multiple places now and, and found uh, very good success, but at, at all three places, actually, ironically, eighth for all three teams. That's right. Uh, I have, I have not beat eighth yet, but, uh, eighth for all three teams. Uh, so that, that's a cool stat. Um, and, and just know that, you know, hard work, dedication and, uh, and motivation will go a long way as long as you don't get discouraged with, with the downs. Cause there's a lot more downs than there are ups, but, uh, yeah. you know, just, just take the punches, move on and, and realize that, uh, you know, next week could be a better day. Well, it's being recognized. And I think somebody that is recognizing it is your buddy who signed your bumper who now is giving you shout-outs on the Dale Jr. download. That's Dale Earnhardt Jr. himself. We were just talking before we started rolling here, but you're like, hey, did you see what Dale said? And I was like, yeah, it was awesome. Essentially, if you haven't heard it, Dale Jr. on the download this week, he was asked if he could put anybody from any of the top three series that's in some underfunded equipment in one of his cars, a fifth junior motorsports car, who would it be? And before he said anybody in the Cup Series, anybody else that could come to top of mind, he said your name, Kyle Weatherman. What did that mean to you? It, it gave me the chills. And it actually just did again now, you know, just, um, man, I, I work hard. I work really, really hard with, with what we have, 
um, you know, and uh, just just so satisfying to hear, you know, someone with with that much success uh, and, and that much pull in NASCAR and the racing community uh, is is amazing. Right. So just uh, very, very thankful, very, very blessed to to uh, hear those words come out of his mouth and, and realize that what we're doing here is not going unseen. Uh, and the results have been showing as well. So um, j- just incredible, incredible. I actually saw it this morning. One of the guys at the shop showed, showed me um, and uh, it just very, very cool and satisfying and uh, put, put, uh, put a little bit more pep in my step if, if I even needed that. So just, yeah. just um, very, very motivating uh, and driven to, to get where I want to be and uh, not going to stop until I get there. And, and it's just very, very cool to have, you know, people like Dale noticing and, and uh, who knows, maybe one day that that'll come true. So what'd you do? You shoot him a text and like, Hey, you got my number. Hit me up. Let's make something happen. Come on. I, I did text him. I did text him, you know, just, just tell him thanks and uh, appreciate, appreciate the support that, that he's given over, over the past, uh, you know, year or so. And yeah, and, uh, yeah, he, he knows, he knows I'm ready whenever. And, and, you know, uh, but uh, yeah, just, just incredible to have that type of support from someone like that. And uh, you know, we're, we're not done here at Jesse Uji Motorsports yet. And we've still got a couple of races to go and, uh, you know, you know, working on next year as well. So, uh, but yeah, just, just, uh, awesome, incredible, uh, you know, thing for, for Dale to do and, and see, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll continue to grow and strive and get better. So I joke, but you guys do have actually a pretty good and relatively long standing relationship dating back a year or two to Richmond. I know we signed your bumper at this year's Richmond race, uh, did a great thing for charity, but since that first, I guess you can say interaction or run in that you guys had, have you been able to pick his brain at all in terms of stuff on track or off track? Because it seems like he genuinely is wanting to help people like you. Yes, of course, he wants to help his junior motorsports fleet, but guys like you that he takes a liking to and he can see the work that you're putting in and he can see that you are doing more with less. Have you been able to glean any information or learn some stuff from him over the last couple of years? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Um, and I, I think uh, more than anything, uh, and he probably doesn't even realize that he's doing it. Uh, is stuff like, you know, what he did today, right? I mean, just that type of acknowledgement and, and notification and, and stuff like that, right? So, uh, but but yes, he has helped in, in other aspects and other ways. But, uh, you know, I, I think more than anything, uh, like I said, just just uh, uh, the acknowledgement of the success that we're having uh, is, is more motivation and more drive uh, than really uh, anything else, honestly, you know, so um, it's just been really, really cool. And especially to see this today, this morning was, was awesome. Incredible. He's not the only Daytona 500 winner who actually, uh, heaped some praise upon you. Another driver of the 34 car, Michael McDowell. He had a really, really nice tweet towards you a couple months ago. He said, Kyle Weatherman makes you smile every week, not just because he's crushing it, wheeling the 34, but because I appreciate the grind. I know the grind and I know it pays off too keep after it Kyle and he tweeted a picture of him winning the Daytona 500 my god that gives me goosebumps too having somebody like that in your corner too that has been in your spot before has been to the lowest of the low and has experienced the highest of the high and been around for a decade plus knowing that he's in your corner as well I assume that's got to be a pretty good feeling too it's yeah it's incredible you're exactly right and and uh you know, like like he said in the tweet, man, it, it's a lot of work, a lot of effort, right? And and I'm putting it in, you know, and, and to to know that it's it's being seen is incredible, right? Um, and, and I'm not, um, you know, trying to, 
you, you know, you know, cry or anything like that. Right. I mean, just, but, but still just to do all this stuff and, and you know, know that it's being seen, uh, is really, really rewarding, you know? So, yeah. uh, even if all this stuff wasn't happening, you know, still be down and digging, but, uh, but to see the success that, that Michael's had, Chris has had David, uh, you know, Dale, all these people, right. Um, they've, they've all had to work hard for it. Right. And, and just know that the path, uh, could possibly align and, and just, you know, you know, building each and every day, um, and, and just gaining experience results. Uh, and, and when those times come, just absolutely maximize them and, and be ready for it. Well, you had some time in the cup series as well. I know we're just finishing up here, but I wanted to ask, because I love to ask people that have experience in the trucks, Xfinity cup series, Arca, whatever it is, how big of a difference the talent pool and just the intensity meter is from series to series. You have 11 starts under your belt in the cup series as most recently as 2019 when you were there. And I guess reflecting on it now, a handful of years later, now that you're entrenched in the Xfinity series, can you tell a tangible difference between the competition level in the cup series and the Xfinity series or anything else? Because everybody that I've talked to says they can tell the second they walk in the garage, the second they drop the green flag, something is different and the intensity is ratcheted up. Oh gosh. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Right. I mean, uh, you know, we had some pretty good speed, uh, at Vegas and in New Hampshire where we were, were respectable, uh, in the Starcom stuff. And man, you're, you're, I mean, it's just, it is, there's no time to, to breathe or mistake or, uh, just anything. And when that, when you do it, it's magnifying, right. Uh, where, where, you know, it's just, uh, you, you've got to be on your game and those guys are on their game. Right. Um, you know, and just, just the amount of experience that they have, uh, wisdom. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just an incredible ramp up from even the Xfinity series to the cup series. Right. I mean, it really is. Um, and, and you see it multiple times where multiple people from, from Xfinity series move up, uh, and they, they look like they've never been there. Right. Uh, you know, it's, 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 it's incredible the, the difference and, and, um, you know, weekend, um drivers right and, yeah. and nothing not bad about any of the xfinity drivers heck i'm right there right now right but um <laughs> you know it's just the experience that they have and and uh you know what they do with the race cars uh, every single lap is is ramped up from what we do here last thing uh tell us what's on the docket for the upcoming weeks for the rest of the season i know only a handful of races left in the season when are you going to be in the car when is jesse going to be in the car i know things are subject to change but when can everybody expect to see you behind the wheel of the 34 for the rest of the year? Yeah, Jesse's in this weekend at Talladega. Uh, I think um, as of right now, I think the next one's homestead for me, hopefully. So that's what we're shooting for. But uh, could very well, uh, you know, possibly have have a few more. So right. we'll see. Uh, right now, uh, that, that's what I know right now. So we're, we're focusing and, uh, you know, doing some some testing on on uh, iRacing and the Chevy Sim for, for homestead and uh, getting ready for that. So. Uh, you know, I feel like I've, I've, one of my better suits are, um, low grip racetracks, uh, and running by the wall. Uh, I'm not, I'm not anywhere near Tyler Reddick, um, level riding the wall yet, but, uh, I've had some very, very good success at Homestead, um, and just low grip racetracks in general. So, um, excited to go there. I think we have a very, very good shot at running good there and, uh, doing everything we can to prepare for it and, and ready for it. Just a real quick aside. 
Do you get time in the Chevy Sim? Because usually, what I, from what I've heard, only the big teams kind of get access to those types of resources. But do you get time in the big old Chevy Sim? Yeah, they, they've helped out uh, with, with Jesse and I with that. And uh, it's been very cool. And I feel like that's been, that's been the next step. Uh, and I've noticed in my career this year um, is, is preparing even more before we get to the racetrack. Um, and, and using that as a tool has been very, very beneficial um ramped up i feel like it's ramped up you know the past four or five weeks for me um and has been really really beneficial for me yeah absolutely uh 2022 plans anything concrete in the works anything to share anywhere you want to be team you want to be with anything you want to share in terms of what you'll be doing for next year yeah i I mean i love it here with, with jesse and the guys here uh they've got great motivation uh very very good future uh and driven right so uh, I think they've got the bases, you know, set here and, and I would love to be here again. You know, um, you know, we're working on it, trying to get funding put together and stuff like that, obviously, which is the, the hardest, uh, hardest thing to, to acquire and, and make happen. But, um, you know, the, the success and, and stuff is going to come here. And, and I'm very, very thankful to be a part of it. And uh, and hopefully it's, uh, you know, just the beginning of, of what can be. Well, like I said, you're doing more with less. You're outperforming what you got. And um, we all love to see it on Saturdays on the racetrack. So keep up the great work. I'm sure that fifth junior motorsports car will come calling sooner rather than later. Uh, Enjoy Talladega this weekend. Hopefully we get it in. Say hi to your boss, Emmett Forrest, and we'll see you down the road. Good luck at Homestead, my friend. We appreciate the time. We'll do it. Appreciate it. Thank you. And we're back. Woo. Great chat with Kyle. Really appreciate his time. And also thank you to Cindy Rivera for helping coordinate that conversation on a bit of a short notice as well, but it was fun. I mean, he, he showed me a little bit of the shop, showed me his dog, showed me his iRacing rig. Got a little 360 tour of Jesse Uji Motorsports. I loved it. Um, seriously though, I appreciate you, Kyle, for your time. And he is doing a lot with a little, and I think he's the poster child for that. I see no reason why that's gonna stop anytime soon. So keep your eye on that 34 when Kyle is in it. And this weekend at Talladega, hopefully we will get a race in with Hurricane uh, Ian potentially wreaking havoc, but we will be watching. We appreciate your time, Kyle. Best of luck down the road at Homestead for the rest of this year and next. All right, we got to do it. We got to do it. And I don't want to do it, but we got to do it. Texas. Oh, man. I have said for probably two, three, four years at this point, no disrespect to the fine folks of Texas Motor Speedway, the fine NASCAR fans and everybody who is associated with the sport in any form or fashion in the great state of Texas. But your racetrack sucks. It has for a handful of years. It still does this year. I wish for nothing more but success for Texas Motor Speedway, but it is just a disaster, an abject failure. The reconfiguration, while well-intentioned, it is not good. I would venture to say it is terrible. Something needs to be done. I think something will be done. The The rumor in Scuttlebutt is that it's going to be Atlanta 2.0. SMI is going to create a super speedway out of it. I'll go on record again in saying that I am not a fan of that idea. Will I watch regardless? Absolutely. Am I going to enjoy what I see? Most likely. Do I have to like it? No, I don't. And I will not like it if that happens, but it seems increasingly likely that that is the road that SMI and Texas are going to go down. Look, something's got to change, and I think it will because the race, again, was just pitiful. It, it just was not 
great. I mean, anybody with two eyes can tell you that. Goodyear had the tire issues, but it's not just solely on them. It's on the teams for the air pressures. It's on the racetrack for not having more than really one groove. It's on the bumps. It's on the resin. It's on everybody associated with this race. It's not just a Goodyear problem. It's not just a next-gen car problem. It's not just a Texas Motor Speedway problem, and it's not a race team, crew chief, driver problem. It is a collective issue that needs to and will be solved in relations to what made this race bad, what made the tire issue so prevalent, embarrassing, disappointing, and what has made Texas Motor Speedway turn into the worst track on the NASCAR schedule. Again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It's just not working. And I think that this year, the all-star race and now 500 miles, which as an aside, way too long for this race, for any race besides the 500 at Daytona and Darlington. And if you want the Coke 600, fine. I know Kevin Harvick's been tweeting about it this week. Just way too long. Not a great show. It. I really am just tired of talking about it at this point because I feel like we have done this twice a year, every year for the last two, three, four years. Unfortunately, their calculations were wrong and their repave and reconfiguration was probably the single worst thing to happen to Texas Motor Speedway. I think that they're starting to come to their senses and realize that, that they've made a mistake. That's great. So now we can kind of collectively as an industry get together and figure out what the best course of action is to improve that and fix that. I don't know what they're going to do. Whatever they do do, I'm sure it'll be better than what we have now because there's nowhere to go besides up right now. And also, by the way, Congrats to Tyler Reddick for winning the race and not blowing a tire and outlasting all those issues. His third win of the year, first on an oval. Big win for him, obviously. And the playoffs, they still are crazy. Four races, four wins by technically non-playoff drivers. We'll see if that trend continues at Talladega, of all places. Oh boy, this is going to be a good one. Strap in, people. That'll wrap things up for episode 163 of Victory Lane 2.0. Enjoyed the show with you today. Hope you did as well. And if you did, please do me a favor. It's real quick, and it helps me out tremendously. Leave a rating and a review. Subscribe to the podcast. You can do exactly that on any podcast platform of your choice. Apple, SoundCloud, Google, wherever you get it, we should be available there for you. And if we're not, drop me a line on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, text me. I feel like so little people listen to this show that you could probably just text me. Anyways, I appreciate all you for tuning in this week and every single week. Got a couple good episodes coming in the can for you in the next week or two. Excited to share those with you when they drop. But in the meantime, please stay safe. Enjoy Talladega this weekend. If you're planning on going to the racetrack, stay up to date with what the National Weather Service is saying, what the racetrack is saying. And don't put yourself in harm's way. Be smart. Don't be dumb. And I'm not talking about what goes on on the boulevard. I'm talking about what goes on above you with Mother Nature. Please be smart and be safe. We will talk to you all next week. Be good, party people.